We're in a series right now called Fire. I don't know if some of you guys are aware of this. The fire. And uh, we uh, fire for you. Fire. No. And so uh, we, we talked the last three weeks on different things that the f- scripture illustrates fire to be. Um, throughout mankind, one of man's greatest, um, not inventions, but ability to, to use technology was man's ability to control fire. And with it, we've, you know, we pushed animals back, we warmed our bodies, we created, um, we sterilized food, we sterilized water, we built, um, we made bricks and, and weapons and all kinds of stuff. I mean, so much technology has come from fire to the point where now we have these ovens in our house and we can just set it to 350. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, people 150 years ago were like, this is not fair. You know, <laughs> like, it's just not. And so, uh, but fire has come a long way. And so, but throughout scripture, uh, fire is used so many times because fire has always just been known as something awesome. And uh, we had a fire the other night. And it's one of my favorite things to do because throughout time, mankind just got around and sat around the fire and it was the greatest source of entertainment. I mean, we didn't have TVs or cell phones or Facebook or YouTube. We had a fire and we sat and we talked and we shared stories and we talked about life and we let our problems kind of just fade away for a little bit as we realized what was most important. And, uh, and so anyways, fire has always been awesome. In scripture, we said three things so far. One, uh, that fire in scripture uh, is a symbol of, of passion. Um, and so uh, fire is a symbol of passion. And, and, we, and John had a revelation of Jesus in the New Testament when he was in heaven. And he said he saw fire in his eyes. His eyes is a window to the soul. And we know that, that God's fire for his people, his burning desire, he loved his people. And he wants us to be fiery for him. And I think that that's important. The second thing we said in week two was that God's word and God's spirit is a refining fire, that his fire will come upon you and it will burn away all of the other stuff that's going to prevent you from being who God's calling you to be. So anyone that would ever have gold or that would use a refiner's fire, it would to burn away all of the imperfections so it could be solid, unbreakable, and pure. And Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. And so a lot of us currently in our lives, we feel like, man, I'm just not ready. And uh, But God is putting trials in your life to get you ready. And so some of the things that you're asking God to take away are the very things that God is blessing you with right now. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the, the, word, the fire of our mouth and uh, how the words that we speak, they can be massively destructive, just like a forest fire, or they can create life and they can turn your whole life around because your life is moving in the direction of your most powerful thoughts. And the things that you think are the things that you say. And you have the ability to change your life just based on your words. And um, this week, we're going to talk about a different. I have a verse for you, and uh, and then we're going to do the text. And so uh, check this verse out real quick. It says that he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Another translation would say it this way. Um, No, I didn't even put it in here. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it says that uh, God has, has put eternity in, in God's, in, in, the, in the heart of, of man's. Y'all should, pre- you should have prayed harder. That was the problem. <laughs> God has put eternity in the hearts of human beings. That's been the reality of, of truth for me as far back as I can remember. 
I wasn't raised in the church. And so um, me looking at life, I always knew that God existed, even when I didn't believe that there was a God. Because I literally would sit out on the back of, uh, sit out on my roof and look at the stars and just think, man, something isn't right in this world. Everything is just too perfect. We talked the other night by the fire about how the world is growing. And the more that we learn, we realize that the universe is bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And no matter how much technology we get, we can't seem to find the end of the world. And no matter how much technology we get, we can't find smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, everything is just smaller and yet smaller and yet smaller and smaller. There's no end to technology. There's no end to understanding, but there's no end to life. And God has put eternity inside of our hearts. And I can remember as far back, I mean, in high school, this scripture was real to me because I was an atheist and I can remember in my high school, I had eight different friends that died in three years that were I was close to. Five of them overdosed, and uh, three of them were shot. And um, I remember that being something that was very real that I had to keep coming back to was the reality of life and the reality of eternity. Because no matter what I wanted to think about it, I knew that something happened when we closed our eyes. And so uh, when my best friend James died and I went to his casket, I knew that I, I had to get intentional about the way I lived my life, that life mattered, that life was short and, I, and, and everything mattered. And nowadays there's a popular phrase, YOLO. YOLO. Hashtag. <laughs> you only live once, right? And, uh, and it's, you know, to, to live your dreams, to go after it, man. Do what you want. Get it. Go after it, man. You only live once. Buy it. Who cares? You only live once. You know, eat it, drink it, do it, whatever. You only live once. And I got to thinking recently, that's, that's not accurate. In fact, I came up with a new hashtag for you guys today. Oh, no. Hashtag, you only live twice. <laughs> You only live, only live twice. I always knew that eternity was real. Um, it just, I just knew. I didn't know all the things of what I did know. I didn't want to make judgment on where someone went, and I still don't. When people ask me today, you know, oh, they lived a good life. Don't you think they went to heaven? I, I, I am not the Lord. I don't know how this works out. Uh, I, I didn't know how it worked out for that person. I'm not going to reserve judgment for the Lord. I'm going to let him have that. And, um, but I came up with a few truths that I want you guys to know today about eternity that I think that you'll thank me for later if you can remember something you may already know. Uh, and my first point today is this, that life is short. I, I mean, it's, it is short. I mean, we've, mankind's been on earth, we, we know, at least 6,000 years. Man has lived and died and lived and died and lived and died and lived and died, and your life will be a blimp on the radar of history. And I want you to know that every day we age. Uh, in the, the book of James, he said it this way, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then whew, you vanish. It's crazy. It's 
crazy how you'll, all of a sudden you're one thing and, and then you're gone. Uh, but you will live again. You will close your eyes in this world and wake up somewhere else. But I do know that life is short and it's so important how you handle it and what you do with it. In the book of Moses, uh, in the book of Psalms, chapter 90, verse 12, Moses said something pretty powerful. He said this. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What, I've, what I'm learning, the older I get, the more I realize how, the less time I have on this earth. And the less time that I, I realize that I have, the more valuable it becomes. But the, when we think we're just going to live forever and we just have this thought, we spend it however we want. Anything you have in surplus you use flippantly. But when you know that you have less of it, it becomes more meaningful. I'm 30 <laughs> now, and um, I, I'm like, oh man, I remember when I was a kid looking up and I thought old people were like, you know, they were bald and they were had beards and, they, and I'm, I'm realizing I am that now, you know, like, and I'm, I'm old and uh, I'm, my days are numbered and uh, I'm realizing that I have less and less and less and less time here in this life that God is giving me here. And I think about that for, for you. Do you number your days? Because the more I think that we recognize the less amount of time that we have, the more intentional we'll get and the more grateful we'll come. I mean, if you just want to learn how to be more grateful in your life, just count your days and be grateful for them. Something changes inside someone that's full of a heart of praise. Praise changes everything. Yes. Count your days. Man, it would be, you'll gain a heart of wisdom. And so uh, Paul said this really powerful thing, and it's not my words, it's his, but it, I, I'm thinking about it in the mentality that we have about life here on the earth. And he said it this way, he said, for as I have often told you before, and I now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction, and their God is their stomach. Let me stop there. What he's talking about is, is that they have an appetite for what feels good. Yes. And whatever feels good in their life is what is their desire, and it's what drives them. And that's why the cross is an enemy of theirs, because it's, it contradicts. I want what's good for me, not what someone else believes is wisdom for me. And, uh, and he says, so, so their, their God is their stomach, and their glory will be in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And that's the problem. That's why their God is their stomach, because they only live for the now. They only live for the moment. They only live for this, what's happening right here in our life. But he, says, but he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that you do live twice, and you are but a pilgrim here on earth, that you're just passing through, that your citizenship is somewhere else? And I think about that as if, if I was to, let's say I was your boss, and I was to tell some of you today, hey, next week, Jason, you and your family, you're going to move to Wisconsin. I don't know why Wisconsin, but next week you're moving to Wisconsin. The way that you would, and for the next 40 years you're going to be in Wisconsin, the way that we live this next week would be a lot different. And especially if we know that we're going to have 40 years in Wisconsin, we may start buying right now for that move. We may start packing right now for that move. We may be calling workers to come and start packing and getting boxes ready and wrapping stuff. We would also be calling loved ones. Wanting to know, hey, the time and the hour and the things. 
But if our citizenship is somewhere else, if we're going to live somewhere else for a much longer period of time, shouldn't we be getting ready for that life? I think it just makes more sense. Well, God has put eternity in all of our hearts. You know, I was thinking, um, what's pretty cool is now, I don't know if you go online, you can do this thing. I find it absolutely fascinating, and I, I love studying uh, people, and uh, maybe it's because I've had so many close encounters with death, but, um, and maybe it's because I'm a pastor and I love um, tear-jerking stories, but I like the tear-jerking stories, the real ones, not the Hallmark ones, but you can go online and find stories of people that uh, they'll give you the audio clips of 911 calls, and I can't tell you the amount of people that, that would call in and talk about how they, what they didn't say or how the last conversation with their loved ones ended and what they wish they would have said. And what they want to say. To a total stranger, they're telling them these moments that their life is flashing before their eyes, like the 911, September 11th. You could hear a lot of the phone calls that were called in and the, con- the last conversation that they had or they argued about the dishwasher. And things that are so meaningless. And we know that it's meaningless, but yet we get stuck in things that doesn't matter. But life is short. And people wish that they could go back and say something differently if they had another moment. Life is short. Love well. Love intentionally. Don't get caught up in the stuff that's meaningless. Look at the bigger picture on what matters most with the time spent that you have here on this earth. Amen? My second point today is that eternity is real. Eternity is real. What's funny is how everything uh, in just about every major religion, from Buddhism to Muslims, all point to Jesus and the words of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, I don't know if you're familiar with the Torah, but he speaks more in the Torah than Muhammad does. Everything points back to Jesus, and it's how I came to realize his words are life-giving. Some of the things I thought was pretty neat that I found in Scripture, he says, we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, just as people are destined to die once and after that they will face judgment. I think that as God has placed eternity inside the hearts of man, I think many people have seen this play out. I don't think everyone knows exactly the way it's going to look, but they can see their eyes flash and then stand in line before a giant throne and the videotape comes up, and it's your life. As I read the scriptures, I, I, I think that one thing is going to happen, and I, 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 I haven't found the specific verse that says this, but I think the whole Bible actually leads up to this one statement. I think that all of our life will be summed up with one statement. I think the Father will look down at us and ask you one question. What did you do with my son? I can't find it in the verse, so you may not want to quote me on it, but as I look at all of the Bible, I think all of Genesis is about Jesus. I think all of Exodus is about Jesus. I think all of Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers, all of Psalms and all of Proverbs, Songs of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, all of the prophets, I think it's all about Jesus. And I think what, what the Lord wants to what, what did you do with my son? Because I don't think he's going to ask you, what was your church attendance like? 
I don't think he's going to ask you like if you gave or how good you were in baseball or how fast you can run a mile. I don't think he's going to ask you like, um, you know, did, were you happily married? Oh, awesome. Great. Did you take your kids to baseball? Great. Did you, uh, did, what'd you do with my son? And I, I, I think the answer for me would be, um, I gave my life to him and I took his in exchange. I, I, if he asked me, do, do I deserve heaven? I don't, if, if heaven is as good as everyone says it is, then I think my answer would obviously be no. There's nothing I can do that can change some of the words that I've spoken. I've said some harsh things. Anyone else? Man, I've, I was rude and I cut some people off. And there were some people that came across me in their life that needed me. And I was uh, short and I overlooked them. And uh, I wish I could have a lot of those moments back. Do I deserve what God, Jesus gave me? Not a chance, but he gave it to me and I took it and I didn't deserve it one bit, but I know that it made me better and better and better and better because he washed me. So there's this um, throne that the scripture paints this picture of and uh, it, it's called the great throne judgment, this moment where we die, we stand before the Lord. There's a ver Jesus talks about this multiple times in scripture, this moment that's going to come before all of man. And he says it this way. He says, all of the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from goats. And he will set his sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And I'm thinking about that. And what does that really mean? You know, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, but goats don't follow a shepherd. They do whatever they want. And the problem with a goat amongst sheep is it creates chaos. It'll drive the sheep crazy. But sheep want to follow a shepherd. They want to trust him with their lives. They want him to lead them and protect them. And as I think about this, I think everyone's going to say, hey, how many of you want to follow my son? And follow Jesus through this door. And all of the sheep will, will wander because they've already followed Jesus in their life. This moment, I think, is going to be terrible. The, the, the Bible says that it's going to be a great and terrible day. It'll be great because of all of the life that this means for everyone that was willing. Jesus says, hey, I've prepared a place for you. It, this is what he says. When he says I, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so when he comes back for us, he said, do, do you want to follow me? Great. Follow me to this place that I'm preparing for you. I think people have a, like a mix-up about eternity. Like, like, is God sending people to hell? No. We're following him to heaven. And those that don't want to follow Jesus aren't going to have many options after the door closes. See, in my house, it's, it's pretty clear. People are welcome in my house that are willing to honor and trust and submit to me. But people that are rebellious, rude, and chaotic, destructive, they're not welcome in my home and they're not welcome in yours. That's why you keep locks on your house. You keep bad people out. Hmm. It'll be a great and terrible day. But you know what I realized is that that's, um, that's only one judgment in heaven. Did you know that there's two? 
I, I, most people didn't know this, um, that there's two thrones in heaven. There, no, there's one throne in heaven. There's two judgments that happens. The first one is called the great throne of judgment, where he would separate the sheep from the goats. Eternity, coming to rest. The second one is, is really funny. So that my point number one today is that life is short. Point number two is that eternity is real. And my, point, my third point is that what we sow here, we will reap there. You know, I don't know if you know this, but on the third judgment, on the second judgment at the great throne, the se- the the throne, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Let me read you this verse here in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse ten. It says, "For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad." See, now there will be a moment after we enter into rest where we all line up and we give account for everything that we've done. And there's a reward that he has for all of us based on the things that we've done. This is a wonderful thing. And I want you to know that all we're doing in this life is sowing into eternity. So if I told you that you're moving to Wisconsin next week and we wait it till, till Monday, the day we're moving to Wisconsin, to start packing or getting ready... I don't know if you know, but there'd be a lot of stuff, a lot of opportunities missed to bring good things along the journey with you. And so, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due. And so there's a reward that he's having for all this and this. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with all of his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. And I don't know some of the things that we've done, but... um. You know, I love that Braveheart, uh, that Gladiator clip. I, I played it for you guys a few months ago. You know, what we do in this life, men, echoes in eternity. You know, and, like, and, I, and I think it's important for us to know that the things that we do do matter. Uh, Jesus said it this way, store up your treasures in heaven. Store up your treasures in heaven. What kind of things can you do in this life that affects the next life? And, uh, and I think that these are important questions to ask. Um, I think about the generosity and the, the things that, the only things that are going to matter are the things that are eternal. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter what color paint you put on your walls or what car you bought because all of these things will corrode and fade away. But it's, I think as a pastor, it's re- important that you're going to want to wish that you knew that you're making an investment today into eternity. Um, in two weeks from now, not this Sunday, but on the, uh, the same day as the Christmas play, we're going to take an offering that day. And um, the money that you guys, all of the money that comes in the offering that day, like even if you don't designate it, we're taking your money and giving it away. Uh, we have uh, several thousand dollars that we're going to couple with that at the church. I don't know if you know this, but as a church, we've made it one of our principles that we want to make sure that this house gives and helps. And so, man, we've done so much. I think when Pablo came earlier this year, we gave him like $10,000. That's like a massive amount of the percentage of what we make over the course of the year, just so you know. We've given far more than 10% already to missions this year, and uh, we're not done yet. We want to make sure that the things that we are doing as a church affects eternity. 
We want to reach the lost and we want to invest into people that are helping others. We want to be a part of these kind of projects, these, this warmth project that we're doing here in a couple weeks. If you guys are in the back of the room after service, you can grab some information, but we're going to be collecting sleeping bags and jackets and some other fun stuff for some of the homeless here in Lakeland. Cause I, I know it's cool that we're blessed, right? But there's some people that have some really cold nights coming. Um, and, uh, and we want to make sure that we're always giving back and helping. So I think about the things that we've done. You know, when you guys like Jason and the team, when they come early and help set up the booth, it's an investment into eternity. What we're doing is making an atmosphere that we're all pitching in to make our church more enriched so that people that come in can say, oh, cool, a cup of coffee. Oh, cool, some fruit. Oh, you guys did the Christmas lights in here. It looks really nice. The music, oh, the temperature's good. If not, if it, didn't, if it wasn't a team of people coming together, then it would be really musty and dingy in here and it would look really awkward and the floors would not have gotten mopped this week. Thanks, Brady. And uh, there's a lot of things that happens because we're investing in something bigger than us. And we want to make Jesus famous, not the way. But it's the little things that we do that's for his name that makes it all happen. Uh, just this week, I'm thinking about investments in eternity. Uh, you know, Tracy shared with me yesterday that I don't know if you saw, there was a, a, mar- a, a dude that got martyred in, over in Thailand this week. Um, terrible. A 24-year-old kid uh, went over to an island to share the gospel with some, some people that, uh, some indigenous people. And uh, he gave his life to Christ. And uh, it's no reward will be overlooked by Jesus in that day, you know? Jesus said, in fact, as he's talking about people's eternal destination, he said, like, um, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was cold and you didn't, you didn't clothe me. I, I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. I was sick, you didn't come and comfort me. I was, I, I was thirsty and you didn't give me a cup of cold water. What you did for the least of these is what you did for me. And, uh, and I think it's important that we know that, like, Jesus is giving us opportunities to invest in eternity every day. And we can build our own kingdom and, and fill our own appetites or we can give love because we're rich. The poorest person in this room is filthy rich. Um, and that's part of the problem is that we're, we're so stuck on ourselves that we can't see anything else. We can't see the need that's out there. I have three things I want to say quickly about um, what I'd like to see us do. One, if there's three goals that I can ask of you in light of eternity, in light of the fact that uh, life is short and eternity is real and what we sow here, we reap there. One, be right with God. Jesus said, no man will know the hour that I return. And I, and I know that some of you have lost loved ones this year. Sometimes it happens when you know it and sometimes you don't and you just have to be prepared. Like, but please make sure, no matter what's happening, that your life is right with God at all times. When you do something wrong and you know that your stomach turns because that was wrong, get right. That's a gift when your stomach turns. Two, make the lost a priority. I, I don't think that anything is going to be more meaningful on earth than you knowing in the day of judgment that you brought someone with you. Think about that this Christmas season. Like if 75% of people invited the church would come, we've got some empty seats here. Bring them, bring them, bring them. Because what matters more than us 
loving people. And please don't be righteous with people. Like, don't be greater than them because you don't sin and whatever. I promise you do. If we held a, if we follow you around with a camera, <laughs> caught you on YouTube live, you wouldn't be that righteous, I promise. Don't be better than people, but love them. Be like Christ, man. People with leprosy, man, Jesus was all on them. Like, bring it in, man. Let me love you. We just love the hell out of people. Uh, and the third thing I want to, uh, oh, let me, uh, lost, uh, number two, lost, love, love the lost. Let me show you a photo here. Scotty, would you put that photo up here? This is pretty cool. I don't know if you, the internet exploded this weekend. I, thought, I don't know if you guys saw this, but <clears throat> I'm pretty, I'm kind of fond of this little girl. Uh, this is my six-year-old daughter. She's pretty cool. You guys all helped make this possible. And I think it's moments like this and why we're a church that make us have the ability to affect eternity. This guy was homeless. Uh, but about two months ago, you guys started collecting items in our church. We started taking toothbrushes and hand sanitizer and fresh socks and uh, some, some chonies and some other stuff. And um, there was deodorant in there and some some stuff that we started collect underwear. Um, someone was like, oh, what are chonies? I call them underwear. I don't know. Anyways, uh, and so we started collecting stuff for anyone that we would find that are homeless. And then Melissa, who's one of the best kids pastors in the world, started training our kids on what they should do if they find a homeless person. Now, my daughter nags me all the time. Hey, do we have the homeless bag? Do we have the homeless bag? And no, I forgot it. It's in mom's car. Or it's at the house. I forgot it. And every time we see someone homeless, she'd be like, dad, let's pull over. Let's pull over. Let's pull over. No, no. Missing opportunities. My daughter, man, just loves people, loves people, loves people. Well, you guys set the stage for this to happen on Thanksgiving morning. I'm, I was, my heart is, I literally was almost weeping when I heard the story. My daughter was driving with my wife and saw a homeless man, and she yelled at Teresa and made her turn around and go back. Now, this guy is homeless. He probably made about $5,000 on Thanksgiving asking for money, right? But I don't know how much he made. That was a bad joke. But here, I will say this. Nothing mattered more to him that day than the, my little girl coming over to him saying, I have a gift for you, sir. Can I pray with you? And uh, when he went home that night, he may, have, he may have made $3 or he may have made 20 grand, but he had a fresh pair of socks and some hand sanitizer and a toothpaste and a toothbrush on Thanksgiving when everyone's laughing at home with their homes and comfortable, he got to brush his teeth that night. And I'll bet you any money, the day, same feeling that you get when you open a fresh toothbrush, man, it's like, the, oh, it's like it sings to you, you know? <laughs> It happened to this young man, and my daughter got it. She, on her own, without my wife, went over and prayed for this man. And uh, she's prayed for him every day since. And, uh, and he was touched, man. And, uh, and you guys set the stage for that. And I think it's because we're all giving into eternity together. And we're doing something together that's reaching the lost. I couldn't have been more proud of my daughter, and I couldn't have been more proud of you guys for helping collect the items that we can do to train these kids and to train ourselves how to be more loving. And you know what's funny is it just pricks your heart and you realize what you're not doing when you see the love of a child. And I've missed so many opportunities. The last thing I think I want to remind you guys is to serve and to, to give uh, it's for eternity. Um, 
I don't know if, but if I found out tomorrow that I'm going to Wisconsin in a week, I want to make sure that I have stuff there. And when Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven, I would hate to get there and arrive just barely with nothing with me. Like, I want to know that I did something that mattered, that was significant, not to me, not to the way community church. Please, I always, that's why I don't like taking an offering at church. That's why we're going to only do one. But I think it's important that, like, it's important for all of us to know, yes, we give to the house of God, like, that's cool. But I want you to give anywhere and everywhere in the name of Jesus. Let me read this verse to you. I thought it was pretty cool. By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, they will build, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire and fire will test the quality of each person's work. Let me stop there for a second. You know, it's like they said that you, no, no one can, can bring a million dollars with them to the grave. You know, you can't, there's no U-Haul coming behind the hearse. All the stuff that we build up for ourselves and all the titles and names and everything doesn't come with us, but the things that we do for Jesus does. And so I just, I want to thank you guys for serving every week at our church and the people that we're reaching and the way that together we're building something that's reaching people and touching people. For if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss and yet will be saved. Yet will still be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. What he's saying is, don't want you to think for any means that you need to give in order to get to heaven. Like there's no works that we can do that will earn our salvation. I can't preach good enough. I will never preach good enough for God to love me or for God to let me into heaven. Like I can't pray hard enough for God to love me. Like there's nothing that I can do that can make God love me. Just like my son or daughter can't do anything for, to make me love them. I love them regardless of whether they're good or bad. I just love them. But when they allow me to be their father, we can improve that relationship and the, grow, the, the love can grow. And so I want to say to you that Whatever work you do for our church is great, but just because you give here or you serve here or you help here doesn't mean you're a child of God. And if you don't give here and you don't serve here, it doesn't mean that you're not a child of God. Did you catch that? It's all by the grace of Jesus. He gave his life for you. He loves you. He wants you. Now, because of the love for you, I think that we have, we owe him a response. I think Mother Teresa said it best that you can, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so some of you can give and serve here, and that's great, and I'm, I appreciate you being part of our family. But when you decide to love Jesus, I think something has to come alive inside of you that says, man, I've got to give back. Like oh, Everything he's giving me and doing in my soul, something's got to change. Uh, Rachel, would you come? Uh, this sermon means a lot to me because I, 
I feel like I don't think there's anything more important like for us ever to talk about. Now, a lot of it is going to be like way over your head, like, man, this isn't relevant. How does this help me? It will help you for the rest of your life. Like it's good if we can teach on peace and the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Like, I'm sorry that you don't have joy today. Like, but I promise you're going to have a lot more joy if I can teach you. Like you teach a man to fish, you can feed him for the rest of his life. If I can set you up that you can set up, help and set in your treasures in heaven for the rest of your life, it'll be good. One, life is short. Two, eternity is real. Three, what you sow here, you'll reap there. There are two judgments. Can I just have you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for one second? Hey, man, if you're here today, um, my first action point today is Make sure you're right with God. I don't want anyone to leave here today. If anything's happened in your heart today, and you, and you just, man, you know that you've made some mistakes here recently, and you, you got some things you need to deal with. If you could die today and not know that your eternal salvation is secured in Jesus, it's the only thing that I care about. I want to make sure that you know that you know that you know that you know that he died for you and he loves you and you're coming home with him. Jesus was hanging on a cross next to a thief who was also hanging on a cross and he looked over at this thief and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. 